We're going to banter? Nope. We're going to close the door? Nah. All right. And then we're going to five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from the Las Vegas dry desert It's Stamp Show here today, episode number 180 This is Cash there are three types of snakes you should avoid. Big snakes, little snakes, and sticks that look like snakes. Ugh. This is Scott. What do you call the soft tissue between a shark's teeth? Oh, this is a slow a- swimmer. <laughs> I knew something wow, was coming. Wow, why are we all on animal things today? Because I have a science tip today. Ooh. Did you know that you can distinguish an alligator from a crocodile by paying attention to whether the animal sees you later or in a while? You took that off of my Facebook page. No, I did not. Oh, okay. Liar, liar, <laughs> pants on fire. I came across that all on my... I stole that from the internet all on my own. Oh. <laughs> did not need your help. That was... Uh, very funny one that I saw the other day. I did find that amusing. Yes. And for those of our international listeners who don't understand what Tom was talking about. What do you mean? Like uh, people don't understand what an alligator and a crocodile is? You no, know, no. Why, oh, why that's la- funny. Oh, the, uh, oh, this, the old saying, oh, yeah. see you later, alligator, after a while, crocodile. Yeah. Actually, you know what? How it's, even you, a, it's even a song, isn't it? You want to hear something really foolish? You know how you tell the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? By whether it sees you later or in a while? <laughs> no. We just covered that. No, the, this was actually on um, uh, uh, grade A under A. Had a whole big thing on it. The fourth tooth. Oh, Let crocodiles' me, teeth stick out. Alligators do not. Right. The fourth tooth sticks out on a crocodile and not on an alligator. So bad orthodontia is how you tell the difference between the two. Bigger effing teeth is how you tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> crocodile's got a teeth so big you can't fit them in all in his mouth. I think alligators grow bigger too. Yeah. No, crocodiles do by long shot, especially Niles. Nile crocodiles get way bigger than American alligators. I was in, uh, where was I? It's Costa Rica. And they had a uh, 27 foot long crocodile in the. Is that next to Costa Lefta? Yeah, Costa Lefta in Costa Rica. Well, actually, 
I went to a party and uh, everybody asked what I did. And instead of like explaining the expertizing of stamps, I told everybody I was a uh, theme park operator and it had a laboratory on it and we cloned dinosaurs and then let everybody, let them all go on the theme park. But it was shut down because some of them got loose. Alrighty then. You saying that uh, you run a theme park and we're all dinosaurs? No. And, and <laughs> they all go Jurassic Park and I go, no, Cretaceous Park. Because uh, Jurassic didn't have dinosaurs. Cretaceous did. Well, actually, Jurassic did have dinosaurs, but the really big megafauna is all from the Cretaceous period. Are we going to talk about stamps? I don't know. Are we? No. Well, I mean, we have, well we're not going to talk about comics because we have no Greg. Yeah, Greg's not here. Nobody and is here. We're not going to talk about <laughs> dragons because we have no Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're short of Dawn. We're short of Mark, and we're short of Greg today. Yep. We're just short. Yep. Everybody. So this will be a short podcast? There, just the, just there the, you go. Good reasoning. Just wow. the three amigos or the three chuckleheads or whatever you might want to refer to us as. Anyway, so what do, we, what do we have in the news? Well, from Tallahassee, Florida, I don't have a date, so pick a Saturday, any Saturday. Saturday <laughs> afternoon, Cam Fentress made a drop-off at one of the collection boxes outside of a post office in Tallahassee. Then on Tuesday morning, she received a call from her bank. They noticed that a check looked suspicious, and they gave me the information. Well, you Not know, me personally. I'm well, reading. Well, you know, if they'd given it to us, we would have looked at it under our equipment and right? possibly seen something. Ooh. But what would we have seen? Well, apparently it had my signature, her signature. They gave me the information on it, what check number, and indeed it was written out to someone else, said Fentress. She says everything she wrote on the original check was washed out and altered except for her signature. The altered check was written for $5,100 more than the original. Well, that would have been a hit on the bank account. Yeah. Uh, she said, I went down to the post office and they, of course, already knew about it. They informed me that someone had crowbarred open the mailbox. Well, you better watch wow. out for that then. That's serious. I've never well, heard of someone actually crowbarring it. You know that that just uh, the the dearth of blue mailboxes. You know they've pulled a lot of them off the streets. Yeah, you don't see them yeah. very often anymore. As a matter of fact, I was looking for them, and here in uh, Las Vegas, they don't have them on the street. They have some sort of a contract with Seven Eleven. They're inside of Seven Elevens. I mean, because I pulled up USPS and it showed like six drop-off places. And they were all 7-Elevens. Yeah, well, you know, that's not a bad idea because generally 7-Elevens have a lot of surveillance cameras. Yeah. Since they get robbed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least somebody's monitoring it 24-7. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And if you didn't, go find another podcast. Uh, please sure. don't. <laughs> please don't listen to him. <laughs> Also, somewhere in Fargo, a gas station is down a hose. This after a United States Postal Service mail carrier was photographed by Zach Dobbins of Fargo, which shows a torn-off gas hose hanging from the gas tank of a mail truck. Yeah, I'm going to put this on Facebook. I think it's just funny to look at. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. But usually, a, when, usually when you see these, and this is... Uh, it's, it's usually some woman driving away from a gas station. Oh, that's sexist. 
Hey, it's it's stereotypes. Care to, care to mention what race she is, you terrible, terrible person? No. <laughs> it's only a picture. But I would it's only a picture of a mail truck. You don't know what the driver who the driver is. Yeah, yeah but we're looking at the back end, so you know, they don't have license plates. Well, Not they, that you can see. Interesting. I have to check and see if that's the case. Well, is that the license plate at the top, the number on the truck? Oh, I'm sure it probably is. There has to be some way to identify these things. I'll put this picture on Facebook. It'll get a lot of likes. I'll assume Fargo, North Dakota, because I just didn't say. Yeah, and Zach, you know who Zach Dubins was, right? Zach Dobbins? Oh, the guy who took the picture? Yeah, but what, he's also uh, one of the co-inventors of the tube sock. Of course he is. Oh, of course. I missed that one. <laughs> the list was so long, you know, it's easy to miss one. Well, then in Canton, Ohio, Malone University officials said a graduating student accidentally changed the mailing address for the entire school. I find it hard to believe that was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> the student made the mis- the student made the mistake. Hold on, hold on. You do finger quotes around mistake. <laughs> the student made the mistake when updating his personal mailing address. Officials said for the past several days, much of the school's mail has been diverted. I I have a hard time figuring out how, how that can happen. If you're updating your personal mailing address, you shouldn't have access to the entire system. Yeah, no. <laughs> so this doesn't make sense to me. Plus, I mean, the, the mail carrier, you know, he goes out there and goes, man, this guy is getting, you know, 175 letters up from one. And these guys <laughs> who usually get 175 letters are now getting none. none. <laughs> and the school's right there. I can point to it. I can touch the school. <laughs> Well, when officials figured out what happened, they got in touch with the student and post office and corrected the mistake. I assume he uh, like brought all the mail back, or so he was a graduating student. <laughs> uh, Sounds like a senior prank to me. No, it just says a. Oh, it just says, it says a graduating student. Sounds like a senior prank to me. Yeah. yeah. Quote, quote unquote accidentally. <laughs> That's not one you'd want to pull, though, because isn't that, well, you isn't that like put a, your own isn't address consi- on there? Isn't that considered a federal offense? Well, it'll hold up your graduation, too. You might. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get your diploma. They're all mailed, right? Yeah. <laughs> you'll get everyone's diploma. In May, the Postal Service issued a United States Airmail Blue Forever stamp to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the beginning of airmail service. Now, a United States Airmail Red Forever stamp is being issued to mark the 100th anniversary of the Post Office Department's taking charge of the nation's airmail service and making it part of the fabric of the American economy. Well, that's true, because the Army Air Corps... Yeah, give them the... The Army Air Corps provided pilots initially because they weren't sure that it was going to work, and the Post Office didn't have any trained pilots, so they went to the Army and got pilots from the Army to fly the mail. Why don't you tell the story about the first airmail day again? Oh, yeah? It's an interesting story. Well, the first government flights were between New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. And the ones from Washington, uh, the ones from New York and Philadelphia went off fine without a hitch. But the one from Washington, 
the pilot had never flown that route before, and so he followed the railroad tracks, but he followed the wrong spur and went south instead of north from Washington, <laughs> D.C. To make matters worse, he crashed. So they loaded the mail on a train back to Washington, and uh, it was dispatched the next day, and it actually went through, and he, he took the right spur. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the there so there are two, technically two first date two dates for the first flight from Washington, D.C. The first date is all mail that was crashed, and then the second date is mail that was added to the group when it went the second day. So did they recancel it? Do you have, like, no airmail and railroad cancels on the same thing? No, but thing? they did add to it. That would be freaking cool. No, they just added to the yeah, quantity of mail. Yeah, they added to mail. the quantity, so... They added to the quantity of mail. So other than that, there was no, no special markings... Uh, for the mail that made the first flight and crashed. So that would be cool to have a first flight of the t- both days, the le- the first day where the crash was in the second. I actually do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Excellent. Should give me a picture. I'll put it up for everybody to see. Okay. I know of Wrong Way Corrigan. Do yes. you know who that is? Yes, I do. I actually had a cover signed by Wrong Way Corrigan. Because w- w- I know his name because he was on Bullwinkle. <laughs> But I have no clue what his actual story is, and I know this wasn't him. Um, I, I looked it up when I sold the cover that he had signed, because I didn't know who he was. Um, but uh, it's been a while since I've uh, looked at that, so I don't recall it off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, well. It wasn't this guy, though. No. I wonder what the name of this guy was. Uh, it's in the book. The post office department initiated regular U.S. airmail service from College Park Airfield in Maryland to New York City on August 12, 1918. This 218-mile route was the first step in establishing a transcontinental route by air. Operating from August 12, 1918 through September 1, 1927, this pioneering aviation service was instrumental in developing a critical infrastructure, profitable routes, lighted airfields for night flying, and improved navigational tools that allowed for that allowed it to succeed and prosper. What happened in 1927? Said it operated from 1918 to 1927. Obviously, it operated longer than that, but I wonder what happened in 1927. Um, My guess is they moved off of College Park Airfield in Maryland, and they moved to another airfield. Oh, so it wasn't like the service changed or anything like that. No, my my guess is they built an air... Got Air it. terminal and and uh, moved the service from so, College Park. So that was just for that special area. Okay, right, makes sense. But you know, you're talking about lighted airfields for night flying and improved navigational tools. Well, that's there's your uh, great big stone arrows. Yep, the concrete arrows. We talked about those. Uh, yes, four or five episodes ago, or more, or more, <laughs> or more. Greg was here for it, though, because he, he found that truly entertaining. Yep. So did I. Well, the Postal Service helps promote dog bite prevention at Glassell Bark. Shouldn't that be Glassell Park? Yeah, I'm sure it's a <laughs> play on words there. And Meow Block Party. And this was on June 9th. So we missed that by about a month. Yeah. So promoting dog bite prevention. Dog bite prevention yeah. Wait, wait, if it, yeah, I could see why the the postal service would want to, uh, yeah, carry on something like that. Yeah, but you know, I wonder, now, I wonder what their insurance premiums are on 
dog bites every year. Well, well, they had that, didn't we? Well, uh, actually, it, yeah. it, it's uh, the homeowner has to provide insurance. I mean, they or the I'm dog sure, owner, the dog owner, yeah. yeah. But you know, they've they've been moving away from mailboxes on, you know, individual mailboxes and mailboxes on your house or at your curb, and they're going to these community type yeah, mailbox locations, CMBs. Yeah, it, it, you know, one of the things when I bought my first house. Was always, oh, I get to have my own mailbox just like my parents did, out in the country, and uh, you know, I was, I that's one of the things that I wanted when I bought a house was my own mailbox, and oh, to dream, and uh, you know, I'm too, I'm o for two now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my mom lives out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, and. She's even got their version. As they drive up the street, there's the big, long row of everyone's mailbox sitting there. Yeah. They just don't have locks on theirs. Yeah. That's another thing about, nice thing about rural America is, you know, mailboxes aren't locked. Well, think of the olden days when you didn't even get delivery. You had to go down to the post office and pick it up. Well, the worst part about having a mailbox like that is you're always susceptible to the uh, teenagers with the baseball bat coming, oh, well, coming by and <laughs> just whacking your box. Yep. Well, actually, uh, in my complex, I went to work, came back, and when I came back to get my mail, there's like five towers, I guess you'd call it, whatever, you know, five pods of mail. Four of them were taken out by a car. Somebody, <laughs> some car just came and whacked them all, and they, and they all had just a little sign up saying, go to the post office and get your mail. And you weren't one of them? No, mine was luckily missed. <laughs> it, it was like bent. It was bent slightly, but the other ones were, I mean, they were just destroyed. Part of the story you're missing is casually didn't like his neighbors, and he was the one who ran into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a, a the plastic off the bumper of the car sat there next to the, the destroyed mailboxes for about, you know, three or four days before somebody came and hauled that away. Well, I, I, I suppose I do have a mailbox in my front yard because the community mailbox is, is actually located in yep. my, on yeah. my property. You have the shortest walk. I do. <laughs> or, well, me and my neighbor share the shortest walk. Yeah. Actually, I think his is slightly shorter because his house is closer to the street. <laughs> <laughs> the nation's longest serving mail carrier is still delivering mail at 85 years old. Well, I hope he doesn't walk his route, or maybe he does. Maybe that's why he's still delivering mail at 85. It could be. 85. It's the lifespan for a mail carrier now. They don't have to walk as much. Yeah, well. Because they have all the community mailboxes. Yeah, Yeah, if you have a community mail, yeah. Actually, I would think it would be easier if you had the street mailboxes. You just drive along the street. Well, see, that's the weird thing. It used to be like that. I mean... I know there were some that were like in the doors and stuff, yeah. but it used to be you just drive and yep. well, throw the dude. And you raise the, the, you raise the little remember, flag when you have mail. I remember the mail carrier coming by, and they didn't have postal service trucks. The mail carrier used their own personal vehicle. Oh. And and our mail carrier drove a station wagon, and you know they'd, they'd drive along, deliver the mail, and when there was no more mail within reach, they would get out, stop, get out, Put another box on the front seat next to him, and then go along and drive the mail, uh, deliver the mail. Well, when I grew up, 
Nobody had fences around their houses. It was all just lawns. So the you would it, they walked and they put it at the door. Yeah. And they would just walk from one door straight across to the other door, straight across to the other door. They didn't have some, to do the long walk around some, the fences. Some would. It is in the postal regulations. They are supposed to use the walks. But uh, yeah, a, lot of carriers, a lot of carriers <laughs> didn't. Yeah, that was uh, growing up in the 60s. Yeah, I, I remember the carrier when my parents lived. The, but the carrier always used the walks. He'd yeah. walk up yeah. one and back out to the sidewalk and then up the next one. And I mean, it took him longer, but I remember him doing that. I admire his uh, recognition of private property. Well, from Washington, the U.S. Postal Service reported total revenue of $17.5 billion for the second quarter of 2018. That's B with a billion with a B. And that's what I said. I know. This is from uh, January 1st through March 31st, which is odd because we think that would be first quarter. Uh, yeah, they, they aren't on a normal calendar year. Apparently. They're on a corporate calendar year, huh? Yep. Well, this amount, this amount was uh, an increase of $235 million, or 1.4%, compared to the same quarter last year. Shipping and packages revenue grew by $445 million, or 9.5%, while first-class and marketing mail revenue fell by a combined $181 million. So if it wasn't for Amazon and eBay, they'd be sucking it. Right. Interesting. The Postal Service's results for the quarter continued to reflect multi-year trends of growing in shipping and packages volume and declining letter volumes. Hello, email. Yeah. As package volume grew by 69 million pieces, or 5%, while mail volume declined by 700 million pieces, or 2.1%, compared to the same quarter last year. Nobody sends Christmas cards anymore. I do, too. Everyone send everyone emails e cards. It's like seriously. You know, I I usually dump about thirty or forty, at least thirty or forty cards in the mail every year. I don't have that many friends. <laughs> I have five thousand friends. I, I I don't claim them as friends, but <laughs> you know, my wife makes up the cards, so I just go with whatever she makes up. Yeah, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook, but being popular on Facebook is like sitting at the cool table in a cafeteria at the mental hospital. Well, on that note, the controllable loss for the quarter was $656 million compared to controllable income of $12 million for the same quarter last year. This change of controllable this change to controllable loss was driven by a $236 million increase in the controllable portion of the normal cost of retiree health benefits due to changes in actuarial assumptions and a $364 million increase in compensation expenses due to additional hours incurred to support the labor-intensive package business as well as contracted wage adjustments. I think my the, head just the, eco- the economy guy in the room wrote that. <laughs> Thanks, Not Cash. Really. No, this is this is just out of their... This uh, is cut and paste. Yeah, this is out of <laughs> Lind's, I think. I got this from Lind's. 
Additionally, transportation expense grew by $155 million due to highway contract rate inflation as well as higher fuel costs. Thank you, California. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're a solid 50 cents cheaper than California right now. Gas Uh, in Nevada versus California. Big surprise. And We should be cheaper. And we get our gas from California. That is true. Yeah. Ha- it's the same gas. Yeah, we have well, no refineries in Nevada. They're also on Summer Blend now, too. Yeah. So they're all doing their switcheroo. Well, I'm, I'm surprised we're that close with them doing Summer Blend in California plus, and everything else. Plus their else. additional 90 cents a gallon tax. Oh, no, it's not that high, but it, it was, uh, they just raised it by like 35 cents. And before that, they raised it by six or seven. It's it. It's all taxes, yeah. I'm just surprised it's that close to them. I thought it would be. Yeah. I thought they'd be way higher than us. Absolutely. Well, we are. We're way higher than them if you get your gas and prim. Oh, we're <laughs> we're way higher in uh, well Arizona. Arizona still has some places that are like almost two dollars a gallon. Almost. Yeah, like two two ten or something like that. Better than Britain. Yeah. Well, in this out of Oklahoma City, this has been an extremely busy week for the U.S. Postal Service, but one letter carrier has been answering the call the week before every Christmas since the Eisenhower administration. Johnny Bell joined the USPS in 1956 after serving in the Navy and still works at the post office. I'm going to tell you the truth. I like my job, and it gives me something to do eight hours a day. It keeps my mind operating, said the 85-year-old. Oh, so this is oh, the this is really year old. <laughs> How they edit. <laughs> Cash, insert edit here. Yeah. <laughs> just just as a an aside here, the cost of gasoline adjusted for US dollars per gallon, Norway is seven dollars and eighty two cents a gallon. Uh, are they the highest? No. UK is six fifty seven. Holy UK is two, three, four, five. That's cheap. Sixth. That's, that's cheaper than uh, UK Norway. is sixth. Where? Where? Who's number one? Who's number one? Norway. Yeah. No, no, that's oh. what Cash said. Is that is that the highest? And you said yeah. no, and then you said UK and was six. Oh, I'm like no. that's less yeah. than seven. No, Norway, Netherlands, Italy, France, Sweden, UK, Germany, Turkey, South Korea, Japan. Every place that doesn't tax their people, or they tax their people extra because they need everyone to pay taxes because you can't just tax now the in, corporations enough to get enough money. Now, in Venezuela, it's three cents a gallon. <laughs> really? I am not kidding you. It is three cents a gallon. <laughs> you can't even truck it any place for three cents. This is based on a U.S. price of yeah, two ninety yeah. nine a gallon. No, no, so. I got it. Yeah, because... Uh, are, you know, I when I went to college, I used to follow, I did my master's thesis on oil exploration and stuff. And uh, about 30 cents out of every gallon is just trucking it to where it goes. So if gas was free, it would still be 30 cents a gallon. Otherwise, you couldn't get it to the gas pump. The more you know. Bring. Well, are we petering out now? Uh, I guess Peter's here. Well, on behalf of uh, 
Mark and Greg and Don, let's all say goodbye. 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 Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to send up. It's hard to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.